thought about refusing to come down here since Eric threw my iPad on the floor. <laughs> but I guess I'll be here anyway. Matthew chapter 6. Continuing our study of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, last week we started looking at the, the context leading up to uh, Jesus giving us the Lord's Prayer in verse 9. But kind of before we jump into it, um, I do kind of want to back up a little bit and look at uh, some of the things we talked about last week. Uh, and again, just to kind of put in context, like why we have this. You know, why did Jesus give us this prayer? And why is it important for us to spend the next several weeks looking at this prayer? You know, what do we hope to kind of get from that? And what do we hope to, to learn from it? Um, and so I want to go back to, to verse 1, chapter 6, verse 1, where Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And then he goes into um, discussing some things that people are doing. And so I think we have to kind of keep this in mind when we look at the Lord's Prayer, kind of why did, why did Jesus give this to us? And it's because there was a practice going on of people practicing righteousness to be seen by people, to try to impress other people. And, you know, we all know, I mean, we've all seen that happen. We've all seen people, and we may have been that person who wants to do things to look good in front of other people, um, you know, whether that is serving, whether that is praying, whether that is whatever, um, a lot of times, if you've been in church for a long time, you've either done that or you've seen other people do that, uh, where they do things just just to be seen, uh, just to appear righteous before other people. Like like we got to put on um, a facade or something, and everybody thinks that we're super spiritual or whatever it is. Where um, that's kind of what we see is going on here, and and Jesus he's going he points out some of the things that they were doing, such as the way that they were giving. Um, but he also talked about the way they prayed. And this, I think, is something good to look at as we move into the Lord's Prayer because they were doing it wrong. They, they were seeing a lot of people doing it wrong. And so Jesus was going to say, this is how it should be. Um, and so if we go back in uh, chapter 5, where Jesus says, when you Pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and the street corners that they may be seen by others. And so he calls out people that he calls hypocrites, people that are just putting on this mask of being super spiritual. They're, they're out praying where they can be seen. And it's not, you know, as Eric talked about, it's not that praying in public is bad. I mean, he just did it, you know. It, that, there was nothing wrong with that. He didn't do it to put on a facade to you guys, to look super spiritual. Um, and so, again, it all goes back to the heart of why we do what we do. Um, but there's a warning. Don't pray like the hypocrites pray. Don't, don't do these things in order to be seen. And then he goes on in, in verse 7, and he says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they'll be heard for the many words. And so he's got these two groups of people, the hypocrites and the Gentiles. And they're both praying, and they're both doing it wrong, and they're both doing it for different reasons. Um, sometimes I feel like, you know, I'm a, 
a Gentile hypocrite. I mean, I'm doing it all wrong for all the wrong reasons. Um, but that's the way the Gentiles would pray because they were praying to foreign gods who were not gods at all. And so they felt like the more words that they could throw out and the longer their prayers were, the better chance they were of getting heard by whoever it was they were praying to. Um, and, so, and so that's the way the Gentiles would pray. They would pray by heaping up all these words and, and words and words and words and just hoping that their gods would hear them. And, you know, sometimes we're kind of the same way. Um, sometimes we feel like we need to use lots and lots and lots of words so that hopefully God will catch a couple of them and grant us what we're praying for. Um, you know, I was kind of thinking back uh, kind of in my life, like, my prayer life and stuff, and, you know, am, am I that way? Am I, am I that kind of person who, you know, when I pray, I just want to pray with using a lot of words and a lot of good words, you know, a lot of good church words, a lot of things that, like, if I'm praying in a group, like, people are going to really think, like, man, this guy knows what he's doing, you know, and, and I've probably been guilty of that at times, and I know that um, I've heard other people do that. You know, I've prayed with people before, not, not anybody here, but... <laughs> Really, not really anybody here, but um, I have prayed before where, you know, you have group prayers, you, you pair off and you pray with somebody, and I've prayed with a person that while he was praying, I thought, oh my gosh, like, this is like the most masterful prayer I've ever heard, and it went on, it seemed like forever, you know, and, and it's kind of intimidating, because it's like, I'm next, and I, I can't compete with this, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as good as this guy is, um, but we do that. And why do we do that? You know, we do that to impress the people around us. Do we do it to try to impress God? I mean, why do we do that? But for, for whatever reason, we do. Um, and I know, like, like, you guys are not the type that are like, okay, I'm going to do this super long, fancy prayer so you can hear me. You know, we're more the type of people that's like, I don't really want to pray in front of people because I'm not good at it. That's more of our heart attitude. That when we get in a group, you know, it's like, who wants to pray? And everybody's like, oh, I'm not praying. And, and y'all know it's true because we've all done that. Um, why, why is that? Like, is it something you're supposed to be good at? Is it something you're supposed to know a lingo or a code or, you know, what is it? Um, like, we know how to talk to each other. We're really good at talking to each other. Some of y'all are masterful at talking to people. Um, some of us have work to do to get there, but we're all getting there. Uh, but we're good at talking to people. But then when it comes to talking to God, it's like, hmm, I don't know what to say. Um, that's the way we are. And so we need a lot of help. We need a lot of guidance uh, when it comes to our prayer and what to pray and how to pray. Um, but the first thing we have to shed is the image of the hypocrite and the Gentile. That we're not doing it to be seen by people. We're not doing it to impress people. And we're not doing it to try to come up with a great, elegant, lengthy prayer that's going to be impressive. Like, that's not, that's not what prayer is. If, if you're a believer, I mean, you should pray. And if you're a believer, you should not be afraid to pray in a group because you're not praying to the group. You're talking to God. And that's all prayer is. It's communication with God. Um, and so we need work. We need to work on praying. And, and Jesus, he knew that his disciples needed to work on praying. 
and that's where we're at in the in the scripture is, is he's teaching on being righteous before others you know we don't do it for this reason don't give for this reason don't pray for this reason and then he says let me tell you how to pray and so uh if you want to put that next slide up matthew 6 verses 9 through 13 this is uh, the Lord's Prayer, and this is what we'll be going through for the next few weeks. And what we want to do is every week we just want to read this. And so we all want to read this together. So when we start, that means, like, you're going to read it while I read it out loud where people can hear you, okay? So let's give this a try. Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good job, guys. We just want you to get used to hearing that and saying that and knowing this prayer by heart, not because it's a magic formula, but this is what Jesus says, I'm going to tell you how to pray. And so if you're going to think about these things, you've got to know what scripture says. And this is recorded for us in scripture. So Matthew 6 and verse 9, it says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And this is going to be our focus for tonight. This one verse, this one real simple phrase is what we're going to look at. And hopefully by the end of the night, we'll kind of have a little bit of an understanding of what this means. What does it mean when Jesus says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name? Like, what is he teaching the disciples about prayer at that moment? And what can we learn from this phrase about our own prayer and the way that we should pray? Um, and so I do want to notice before we really kind of jump into that phrase that at the beginning of verse 9, he said, pray then like this. And so again, he's given us a guide. He says, don't pray like the hypocrites. Don't pray like the Gentiles. Pray like this. And so he's kind of given them the don't do this, but do this kind of thing. And so when Jesus does that, like we need, really need to pay attention because He's trying to instruct us. He's trying to keep us from doing something wrong. He's trying to keep us from a wrong attitude or whatever it may be. Um, and so he's trying to instruct us on what to do. And so he says, he says, pray this way. And then he gives us this prayer. And so, like, what's the purpose of, of him giving us this prayer? Like, is this the way, is this what we're supposed to pray? Or is he giving us kind of a, kind of a guide as far as here's what your prayer should look like. And I think it's kind, of, it's kind of neat because when we look at it and we just read it, and it didn't really take that long to read, did it? I mean, less than a minute, like we read the whole entire prayer. And it's kind of neat that, that this is what Jesus gave us, pray like this, because he just talked about people who gave lengthy prayers, very wordy prayers, people that are praying to be seen and to impress people and, and look at how long and elegant my prayer is. And Jesus says, pray like this, and it's short, and it's to the point. 
And so I think he's kind of proving that point that, you know, prayer doesn't have to be something impressive to people. You just got to have your heart right, and you've got to pray for the right things. Um, and so I think that's kind of interesting that, that he gives us that example after saying, you know, hey, don't do it this way, but let me tell you how to do this. And so we're going to kind of break down this phrase just a little bit and kind of look at the meaning behind it and, and then try to put all this together and, and see what does this mean for me? Like, what do I take from this? How do I apply this to my prayer life? And so the first word we're going to look at is the word our, since it's the first word that we come to there in English. Um, it's kind of interesting because, I, and I guess this is something I really haven't thought a whole lot about, and so it's good to go and study these things. I mean, I've heard the Lord's Prayer like forever, but I've never really caught on to the, the, who he's talking to in the prayer. Or, or who's talking to God. He says, our Father in heaven. Um, and then when we go down, it says, give us this day our daily bed, bread. Forgive us our debts. Everything's plural in this prayer. And so it's kind of interesting because it's like, you know, when I pray, I pray for me. But, you know, here in this, this prayer that Jesus gave us, he's, it's almost like we're praying for each other. And so, you know, sometimes people... Talk about, I mean, he just said, you know, when you pray, go, go hide in your closet and pray. Don't do it in front of people to be seen. And so people will think, well, maybe you shouldn't pray in public. But then he turns around and gives us this. So obviously, like, it's good for us to come together and pray. It's good for us to pray as a group. Our hearts are united as one. You know, as Eric led us in our, our time of prayer tonight to lift up these requests to God, you know, Eric wasn't praying for him to lift these things up to God. He was praying for us corporately. Like all of our hearts are bound together in that prayer. Even though he was the only one verbally communicating the prayer, we're all in agreement with it. We're, we're, all, we're all united with Eric as he, as he brought this prayer before God that, Lord, these people are coming for help. Please help them. And, and we all come in that together, and that's why we finish the prayers by saying, Amen, because we're praying in agreement. Um, and so it's kind of interesting uh, that he's using these, these plural uh, words to, to go through this prayer because this is us praying united, our hearts together. Um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We're, we're coming together and we're, we're praying this together. Um, the word Father here, it means Father pretty earth-shattering um but the neat thing about this is this is who we're praying to we're praying to someone that we call father and again if we go back to uh, the examples that he gave about the gentiles and their prayers and the way they pray you know who are they praying to they're not praying to somebody they can call father they're praying to someone they're probably afraid of um, if this God actually moved, it would scare them to death. You know, it, it's somebody who's, ter who's terrifying, who, who doesn't care about them. And yet Jesus says, we're praying to someone we call Father. And man, that's such a huge difference because we're not praying to a foreign God. We're not praying to someone who is, is withdrawn from 
humanity and who doesn't care about what's going on. You know, please intervene and do something here. Um, we're praying to someone we call Father. And that shows a very intimate relationship between us and the person we're praying to. And, and we can't miss that fact that, that this is what Jesus says. Pray to your Father, our Father in heaven. Um, that's who we're addressing. I want to give you guys a few verses. Uh, you can jot these down if you want to. John 1, verses 12 through 13. It says, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. And then Galatians 4, 4 through 7. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. And then Matthew six thirty-one through 33, it says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so I just wanted to pull out a few verses just to remind us that this is our position before God. That through the blood of Jesus, through the salvation that we have, we've been adopted into his family. And we're considered sons. We're, we're, we're heirs to all that God has. And so we're talking to someone who is our father. He's not a foreigner. He is our father. He's brought us into the family, and, and we've been united with him. And so when you pray, you're praying to your father. It's just like going to your father and asking for something, asking for help, asking for anything. You know, I love the verses in, that we read in Matthew 6, 31 through 33, because it says your father knows you need these things. When you're hungry, God knows you need food. When you're naked, God knows you need to be clothed. I mean, this is not news to God. Why does God know this? Because he's your father. He's personal. He cares about you. He knows your needs. And so we can't forget that. But not only do we, does he, he say that God is our father, but he also reminds us that he's in heaven. So we're praying to our father who's in heaven. And... We can't let this fact slip by us either because that puts God in a position of authority. That puts God as sovereign over everything that's been created. That he's not a little statue I've got on my shelf. I mean, he's, he's holding the universe in his hand. He's in heaven. He's, he's supreme to everything that we have here. Um, and so I'll give you a, a few verses to think about. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. In Psalm 33, 10, it says, The Lord brings the counsel of nations to nothing. He frustrates the plans of the people. Proverbs 19, 21 Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. 
In Isaiah 14, 24 through 27, the Lord of hosts has sworn, as I have planned, so shall it be. And as I have purposed, so shall it stand, that I will break the Assyrian in my land and on my mountains trample him underfoot, and his yoke shall depart from them and his burden from their shoulder. This is the purpose that is purposed concerning the whole earth, and this is the hand that is stretched out over all the nations. For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? It's an amazing thing that we pray to not only someone we call Father, someone that we love and someone that's personal to us, but we pray to someone who's sovereign. We pray to someone who, once he stretches his hand to do something, nobody can turn it back. He answers to nobody. We don't tell God what to do. Satan doesn't tell God what to do. God is powerful. He's all-powerful. And this is who we're praying to. And so when we pray, we're not praying, hoping that somebody, you know, God, I, I hope you can do this. Like, I don't, you might or might not be able to. No, you're praying to someone who's sovereign. You're praying to somebody who has the power to do whatever. And there's so many scriptures that when we go and read, point to that fact that once God has purposed something, it'll come to pass. How can we have assurance of an eternity in heaven if God wasn't sovereign? I mean, something could happen like on my trip between here and there, and I might get lost. You know, is that going to happen? No. Why? Because God is sovereign. He has promised it, and it'll come to pass. This is the person we're praying to. And it's an amazing thing that he is this personal and this loving to us, but yet this powerful. But this is our God, and this is the God that we pray to, and this is what Jesus is reminding us here in verse 9, that when we pray, we pray to our Father who is in heaven, who is above all things, and all things are in his hand. And then he says, hallowed be your name. And so this one, until I really studied it for a long time, was just kind of, I don't know, to me a little weird. Like, I don't use that word, hallowed. Do you guys use the word hallowed? Have you ever used the word hallowed? Like, for anything. Um, my mind goes to Halloween. And I'm like, well, this don't sound right. Uh, how... How does this kind of, you know, and, and, so, and so it's weird. Like, what am I saying? Like, when I pray this, what am I saying to God? When I say, hallowed be your name. And so, and so I really want to understand this. And one thing that, that's interesting to me that I, I think I've had wrong probably my whole life up until I was really studying for this is that, that all the phrasing in this prayer they're petitions to God, and they're not like statements to God. And so I always kind of saw this as um, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So like, so like I'm telling God, this is what your name is. Here it is. But that's not at all what Jesus is saying. These are all petitions before God. And so instead of, instead of it, it saying hallowed be your name, it's probably better translated, may your name be hallowed. And so it's something that we're saying Lord, let this happen. We want to see this happen. And so what in the world does that even mean? So what's the word hallowed mean? Um, it's real simple. It just basically means to treat as holy or reverence. And so, Lord, your name is holy. 
Like, Lord, we give you reverence. Um, and so when we pray this, we're not saying, God, this is who you are. We're saying, God, let this be. Let this come to pass. And it basically means that we're stating a desire to see God truly honored as God throughout the world. And if we go to Philippians 2, 9 through 11, we're reminded it says, talking about Jesus, therefore God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And we see this as always as a great like future event, that someday every knee will bow to Jesus and confess that he's Lord to the glory of God. Someday God will be honored by all people. And, and we see that as, as this is something that will happen, but does it happen now? Well, it doesn't happen now. We know it doesn't happen now. But when, when we make this statement, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, then this is what we're desiring. This is what we're crying for. Lord, let it come. Let it come that all knees will bow before you, that all tongues will confess that you are holy, you are magnificent, you are Lord. This is the thing we're desiring to happen. And so it's a petition to God. God, let this be. May it be. May it be that all people will come to know you. May it be that all people will regard you as holy. And so, and so it gives us this desire that, Lord, this is what we're asking for. And so when we kind of put all this together, um, I just wrote a statement here. We pray to our Father who knows us intimately, is all-loving, has all authority, and our desire is that the world will recognize him as holy. That, that's kind of a summary of what this little phrase means. And so what do we do with that? Like, man, that sounds really good, but what do I do? Like, like how do I apply that? You know, of course, I could kind of maybe incorporate that in my prayer or something, which may be really good, but, but what do you do with that? And so as I was thinking about this, it, it kind of come to mind that how we pray is a reflection of our faith. And to me, sometimes it's kind of a scary thing. You know, when, it, when I pray, what does it say about what I believe? You know, when you pray, what does it say about what you believe? You know, do you pray to God as if I'm, I'm throwing something up and I hope it sticks? You know, I'm going to ask for something, but I don't really think you're going to do it. Um, what does that kind of say about our prayer life? You know, wh where is faith? Do we believe that God is indeed sovereign over everything? That we are praying to a loving Father that is all-powerful, that can do whatever He purposes to do? You know, is this the way we approach prayer? Is this the way we approach God when we pray? Or do we pray like the Gentiles to where I'm going to heap up a lot of words and I hope you hear some of them. I hope something happens. So it speaks a lot about where our faith is, how we pray. And, and so I really hope that, that you kind of consider this um, in the way that you do pray. And, you know, we talked about in the beginning how this is all a reflection of our heart. Where is your heart at? Where is your heart at when you pray? 
And, you know, we recited um, verses 9 through 13. We recited what's called, considered the Lord's Prayer, word for word. But if we're not careful, you know, we'll take that and replace it with our own personal prayer life, and it will become meaningless repetition, which is exactly what the Gentiles do when they pray. You word some words, and here you go, I've done my duty for the day. Um, Prayer can never be that. Prayer can never be, I'm going to read something to God, and there it is. Um, I'm going to do it because I'm supposed to do it. You know, prayer is personal. And prayer is a reflection of our faith that, that we're praying to a father. And so we communicate that way. We don't communicate by just muttering words. But we can pray this. Again, it goes back to your heart. You know, if you pray this exact prayer to God, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're just reciting it to be reciting it because you don't really feel like praying, there is something wrong with that. And so we always have to go back and remember, where's my heart in this? Am I doing this because I'm talking to my father or am I doing this just to check another box because I'm supposed to pray this morning? And so just think about those things when you pray. Why do you pray? What do you believe when you pray? How do you approach God in our prayers? So let's all pray together. Lord, again, we are grateful that indeed you are a good and loving father to us. Lord, that indeed you care for each of us individually, personally. And God, we know that because of the love that you have shown. Just through provision, just through taking care uh, of the things that we need to survive here on earth. But God, especially through the sacrifice of your son. God, that you didn't hold him back, that you didn't spare him. But God, even while we were sinners, even while we were rebellious, Lord, he came and he died for us. And that is the ultimate sign of love, that he laid down his life for us because we could never bear your wrath. We could never satisfy it. But he could. And Lord, you did that for us. And we're so grateful. God, I pray for each and every person here. God, that you would strengthen their faith. God, that when they pray to you, that they pray to you as a father and not as a foreign God. Lord, that when they they pray to you, they realize that not only are you loving, but you are indeed all-powerful. God, that the things that you purpose will come to pass. Lord, there is no one like you. There is no one who can turn away your hand. There is no one who can tell you what to do. Lord, help us to remember that when we pray. And Lord, we do indeed long for the day to where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that indeed Jesus is Lord, all to your glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. That'll do us.
Thank you guys for being here. Remember, uh, how many more weeks we got of this? Five, six weeks. We get a few more weeks. We're going to go through this prayer together. Um, and then also in a couple, in two weeks on the seventh, uh, we'll have kind of a shorter service and we will have a members meeting. So just want to, uh, remind you guys of that. We'll put an agenda out on that, hopefully by Sunday. Um, so I think that's it. Thank you for being here. Love you guys. And we are all dismissed.